So imagine that there is a coffin here at the front tonight. It is more than likely that one day it could be your coffin. It could be mine. Our hearts will stop beating. Our lungs will stop moving. Our neurons will stop firing in our brain. And we will be dead. And the funeral will be ours. And so what Jesus has to say here could not be more relevant, could it, to us tonight. It could not be more relevant. And this evening, I just want to make two main points from this passage. And the first point is this, that there is something more important than life. The sisters, Mary and Martha, uh, send word to Jesus that their brother is very ill. Now look again at verse 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. I don't like to criticize translations. Can you go back? But um, verse 6 really should not be translated yet, but so. And I think the new NIV does do this. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, is that not a very strange reaction? Here's someone that he had spent time with. You read the Gospels, and it's, it's as if this is one of his favorite places. He stops off and has a meal, gets to know them. He's a friend. And he hears that his friend is, is seriously sick. And what does he do? He stays exactly where he is. Is that not strange? As some of the grieving friends and family pointed out later in the narrative, in fact, it's pointed out three times in the text, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man, could he not also have kept this man from dying? Lord, if you'd been here, you could have healed him. He wouldn't have died. Over and over again, the point is made. And it's exactly right, isn't it? As we, as we read here, even the opponents did not doubt the miracles that Jesus did. They're not saying, oh, this guy is making it all up. The problem is that he's doing them. That's the problem. People will end up believing him. Yes, Jesus could have come. He could have healed Lazarus. He could have saved him from death. And why does he not do this for his friend? It is one of those profound questions, isn't it, that as Christians we do wrestle with at different times in our life, especially when we have someone close to us that we love that is battling with, with cancer or some life-threatening disease. And, and we, we've prayed about it. We know that God has all power. We know that Christ in his life could do all these amazing miracles. And we say, Lord, you, please heal this person. I don't know anyone, whether you're charismatic or non-charismatic, when people are sick, everybody prays for healing. Lord, would you do this? And yet, here's one of the great mysteries. Sometimes the answer is no. Jesus doesn't answer. Healing doesn't happen. Why does he delay? Why does he allow Mary and Martha to go through this terrible grieving process. It could look quite callous, couldn't it? But as verse 5 makes clear, it is because Jesus loved Martha. It is because Jesus loved Mary and Lazarus that he delayed 
and allowed Lazarus to die. It was because of his love that he did that. So why is that? Because there is something more important than life. And what is it? Well, the answer is in verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. There is something more important than life, and it is this, to know the glory of God. To know the glory of God revealed in Jesus is more important than life. It's the most important thing you could ever know and experience, a true knowledge of God. Through coming to know Jesus. See, the claim of Christianity is an incredible claim, and it is this, that God in his glory can be known. By looking at Jesus. Jesus loved Martha and Mary and the disciples so much that he allowed them to experience the pain of loss and the bereavement so they would know him better, know him as more than just a friend, know him as their glorious, as the glorious Son of God. To trust him. And so there is something more important than a healthy, trouble-free life. Knowing in Jesus is more important than life itself. Nobody likes to be sick. Nobody wants to cope with disability. Nobody wants to have difficulties in their life. But actually, such difficulties can be the very times when we learn the most about God and ourselves. And we can actually offer up our trials to God and say, well, either remove it, or retain it as long as it results in your glory. Johnny uh, Erickson Tada uh, is an amazing woman. As a teenager in 1967, she broke her neck diving uh, into water that was more shallow than she realized. And from that day onward, she has been a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the shoulders down. It just struck me this week that actually she has been a quadriplegic in a wheelchair for more years than I've lived. She's an, she has an amazing ministry to people with disabilities in America, Johnny and friends. She's got a radio show that goes out, she does camps, it's amazing what the Lord has done through Johnny. She said it this way, I do not care if I am confined to this wheelchair, provided from it I can bring glory to God. Isn't that an extraordinary statement? I do not care if I'm confined to this wheelchair, provided from it I can bring glory to God. Or Hudson Taylor, the Christian missionary to China of the 19th century, wrote this, Trials afford God a platform for his working in our lives. Without them, I would never know how kind, how powerful, how gracious he is. Now, I quote these two other people because the truth is I've known very little suffering in my life. And so I, I hold them as witnesses to you. 
of the truth here that sometimes Jesus loves us enough not to answer our prayer so that we could know him and his glory all the more. And I say that to encourage you if you're struggling today, if you're in the middle of it. Secondly, this text tells us that knowing and trusting Jesus means that we will never die. See, when Jesus got to Bethany, Martha came out to him, and they have this most incredible conversation. Uh, chapter 11, verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, this was the hope of many pious Jews at that time, that there would be a final day when those who died trusting in the promises of God would be raised to life. This, this, This resurrection day, this judgment day would be the day that everyone would be brought to life. That's what they believed. And then what Jesus says to her at this point is absolutely breathtaking. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? It is an incredible statement. Let's think about it. There's two parts to it. First of all, I am the resurrection. There will be a great last day. History doesn't just keep going around in circles. There's a beginning and there will be an end. And that will be judgment day. That will be resurrection day when all will be raised to meet their God. And Jesus says, I know this to be true because I am the resurrection day. It will all happen because of Jesus. He's the reason for it. He will actually be the one who is the judge on that final day. It will be his power and authority that will bring about that great day. I want to say to you that believing in Jesus now makes all the difference in the light of that day. Believing him today makes... Such a difference. It is the crucial issue that will be uh, tested and seen and examined on that day, on that resurrection day. But Jesus says more than that, doesn't he? He is the life. I am the life. Those who believe in Jesus receive from him at that very moment a new spiritual life that will never die. Uh, Those who who believe in Jesus will will receive a life that uh, even though our mortal bodies might ebb away, this life that he gives us keeps going on into eternity. I am the life, Jesus says. Knowing and trusting Jesus is more important than life because coming to know and trust Jesus means that we will never die. Because Jesus is the resurrection life. That's the point. And Jesus says to Martha, do you believe this? Now that's, that's the crucial question tonight. Uh, that's why I'm glad you're here. I want you to think freshly about this question. Do you believe this? I mean, there, with such an incredible statement, I guess there's a various options. You're trying to think, well, is this a credible person? Who can make such claims? I mean, they're either a complete lunatic. I've met lunatics who say outrageous things. I met a guy who was God, according to him, in Hyde Park once. He wanted to take me for a walk around Hyde Park. Hello, I'm God. Well, I didn't actually believe him, to be honest. He was a lunatic. Well, is that what Jesus is? Is he a lunatic? 
Is he just lying? Is he a con artist? Or is he exactly what Martha says here, verse 27? Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Well, what is the evidence that backs up this uh, statement of Jesus? Well, there's three evidences I want to mention. Number one, the raising of Lazarus. See, Jesus did what none of us could have ever considered doing at a funeral. He commands that the stone would be removed. And Jesus called out to a dead man to come out. Now this was not someone who had died recently, like Jairus' uh, Jairus's little daughter, seven-year-old daughter. She had just died and Jesus raised him. This is different to that. He is calling to a body that is not just dead, but decomposing. I mean, that's what Martha is saying, isn't it? This is her concern. She said, oh, don't, don't, don't open the tomb, Jesus. It's going to smell. But here is the awesome power and authority of one who is the resurrection and the life. He calls and the dead receive new life. This process of death is reversed and Lazarus shuffles or hops out of the tomb very much alive. The Lazarus comeback. It's entered our language, hasn't it? It's a historical picture. It really happened. But here's what it's illustrating. The life-giving power of Jesus. D.L. Moody, the American evangelist, um, he, as a young, um, a young Christian, was asked to take a funeral. And so he thought, well, I'll just read through the Gospels and find a, a funeral sermon that Jesus must have given. So he searched through all the Gospels. And what he discovered was that actually every funeral that Jesus turned up to, he disrupted. There was no funeral sermon. Uh, Jesus messed the whole thing up. He raised them to life. Jesus is the great funeral disruptor. He's the, the resurrection of life. When he turns up at a funeral, they come back to life. Three times it's recorded in the Gospels. That's the first evidence. Secondly, the resurrection of Jesus himself. There's a difference between the resurrection of Lazarus and the resurrection of Jesus. And if you notice, it's just in the little details about the burial clothes. So Lazarus kind of shuffled out or hopped out of the tomb, all bandaged up. And Jesus says, look, just, just take the bandages off. Let him go. And Lazarus got some extra years of life, but he died again. What is truly glorious about the resurrection of Jesus is this, is that when the early disciples came to the tomb, they found the, grave, uh, the, the wrappings around the body. They were there, but it's as if they just collapsed the body was gone an empty tomb and many resurrection appearances removed the fears and doubts of the disciples Jesus had actually received a resurrection body that would never die a resurrection body that was fit for eternity 
And the disciples were so convinced of this that they went at great personal cross, cost out into the world, proclaiming that Jesus was the resurrection and the life, that whoever believes in him will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in him will never die. Death is shocking. It's upsetting. And this chapter is amazing to me for both seeing the awesome power of Jesus and yet his incredible humanity as he comes to the tomb. He sees this scene and he weeps. Death is is horrific. In fact, this is why he had come. Jesus came because our problem is that we die. And then we face God and then we face eternal death of judgment. And he came that he would bring life and forgiveness of sins, and, and life that when we be raised on that final day, we'll be raised as forgiven people, and given the same resurrection bodies that he, that he himself had, and be fitted for eternity. Do you see that actually Jesus came not to empty doctors' surgeries. There are some Christians who go around acting as if this is what he's about to do, putting our poor doctors out of business. No, that, that's not the goal of Jesus. His goal was to empty graveyards. To fit people ready for judgment day, resurrection day. To fit them with resurrection bodies for all eternity. Here's our hope in the face of death. Even while our physical bodies will, perhaps, if Jesus doesn't come back, will succumb to disease or some accident and death. And and actually our bodies will dissolve. Those who believe in him receive eternal life that never dies, and one day will receive a glorious body like his resurrection body. The day is coming when the dead will hear his voice and will come out. What a glorious day. My third bit of evidence is really this, the changed lives of millions of Christians. The risen Lord Jesus Christ is still at work today. He's changing and transforming lives all around the globe. In Bolivia, we were hearing tonight, he's changing lives. Isn't that right? This room is full of many people whose lives have been changed by the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes, uh, I mean, a few months ago, there there was a, a a, a girl here, a student, and she was tamping mad and angry at what I'd said. And she was railing into me at the door. And she, she wanted to tell me about these different philosophers and how much she'd learned from them. And, and, and you know, that's great. We can learn lots of things from philosophers. But you know what? All these great philosophers, they're dead. Jesus is alive. And yes, I know that we're living in a world where there are lots of different religions and different options. But you know what? You can go all over the world. You're not going to find people who say that Muhammad is dead, that, uh, that, that Muhammad is alive, that Buddha is alive. But everywhere you go around the world today, you're going to meet people who are going to say, Jesus is alive and he's changed my life. Now, isn't that interesting? If you're not a Christian, you're really skeptical. You have to say, just that's a little bit interesting, isn't it? Let me tell you about my friend, uh, Dave Andrew. I'll never forget Dave Andrew. He was an Aussie. He was tall. He was quite a character. Uh, (laughs) I can tell you so many stories about David. But I remember him telling me that um, he and his mate, uh, because they all call them mates in Australia, don't they? His mate, 
Uh, they worked together, and every day, so they were, we were both terrible hypochondriacs. We were always making out that our ailments were going to be life-threatening, and you know, a, a tumor that was going to kill us. And he said, I said, but one day, actually, I did. I got a brain tumor. So, so hypochondriacs, you can be right eventually. Do you know what I mean? Well, Dave got diagnosed with a brain tumor. And um, Dave was strapped to the gurney, being taken into the operating theater, uh, you know, to the anesthetics room where they gas you up for the operation. And uh, he told me, you know, the thing that just kept going through my mind as I was strapped to that thing going through, it was one phrase. On the third day, he rose again. On the third day, Jesus rose again. My friend, that one truth is the only truth that means anything in that moment. Isn't that right? On the third day, he rose again. One day, that coffin will be our coffin. And what I want to say to you tonight is is quite simply this. Who are you trusting your life with and who are you trusting your death with? Seriously, you, you, you must have some plan. You, or maybe you just put it out of your head all the time. But who are you really trusting your life with? I, I want to commend to you the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear what he has to say. Listen to this invitation from Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life, whoever believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? If the answer is yes, well, praise God tonight. It's the best news, isn't it? If the answer is no, and yet tonight you say, actually, this is true. And I want to receive this life. I just want to encourage you just to pray a prayer right now where you can receive this resurrection life. Can we put the next? There should be something coming up. There we are. Here's a prayer that you can use tonight to get right with God. Let me just say it once so you can see if you want to pray it. Dear God, I'm dying and separated from you because of my sin. Thank you for sending your son who lived and died and was raised so that I could know you. Please forgive me for all the wrong I've done in the past and give me a brand new life to live for Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Maybe there's someone here tonight who wants to receive this incredible offer of forgiveness and life, resurrection life. So if you want to make this your own, why don't you pray this in the quietness of your own heart and mind dear God I am dying and separated from you because of my sin thank you for sending your son who lived and died and was raised so that I could know you. 
Please forgive me for all the wrong I've done. And give me a brand new life to live for Jesus. Amen. Well, if you